South Talkie Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix. T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network. By College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. The ASU fans home away from home. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Voted Best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning tequila since 2011. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest, around the United States, around Canada, anywhere you might be Tuning in tonight to the uh, College Hockey Southwest Weekly Podcast, live on our Podbean channel and available for download anywhere you get your podcasts. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona tonight, where it's a balmy 102 degrees right now. My co-host, living the luxury life out on that beautiful palatial estate in Long Island, New York, on Long Island, New York, uh, Paul Hornstein. Paul, how are you? Uh, we're doing okay, uh, trying to get our equipment adjusted uh, so uh, I, don't, I don't blow out my ears. <laughs> I had to do the same thing today. I had, I had just one ear working, so I had to uh, reconnect and, and get back in so I could hear out of both ears. But um, College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Tonight we've got a great guest joining us. We're expanding our horizons, Paul. We're moving a little bit to the east of Phoenix, um, a, a place okay. that you love, a place that you love, El Paso, Texas. Um, Actually, of, you can make you. you, you okay. I don't want don't don't sound like you're making fun of it because no, I'm not. I have I'm been not. there a couple of times. I do like it. I like it. I a know. Lot. I know you do. You've told me several times. There's no there's no making fun of anything here except me. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, but that's easy. Yeah, I know. I'm an easy target. Uh, we're talking college hockey as normal, but tonight we're also going to expand. As I said, horizons. We're going to look at the. Uh, the community that won Hockeyville, is it called Hockeyville USA, Paul, or what's the correct terminology for that uh, award that uh, was given it, out in the grant forum? Uh, we, I mean, I guess we have to mention the uh, corporate sponsor, right? I mean, because otherwise it's, sure. it's, it's only, sure. you know, I mean, they are laying out the cash. So uh, Mention the, it. The Craft <laughs> Hockeyville. Uh, nice. You know, uh, is uh, a, a contest that has actually been going on uh, for about 15 years. It started in Canada. They started the contest in Canada back in about, I think, 2005 or 2006. And they expanded the program uh, in 2015 to have a U.S. version of the same thing. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, basically, uh, cities and towns and uh, get nominated. Communities. <laughs> communities get nominated. Have whatever word you want to use. Uh, I'm sure that our guest later will correct me because, uh, you know, I'm used to being corrected anyway. So, um, but and what happens is the the town that gets named the winner every year, uh, one of their rinks or the rink where the the, the push starts, gets a, a big chunk of money for arena and rink improvements and some other things. Um, normally, they will get an NHL exhibition game played in that arena. Uh, but there is nothing normal about 2020. <laughs> and that Isn't is that one of the, yeah, and, uh, that is one of the questions that I plan on asking our guest tonight. Uh, for example, uh, the Coyotes have actually played in one of those games up in Canada. Yes, they have. Uh, in 2014, Sylvan Lake, Alberta. 
won the Canadian version of the contest, and they played the Calgary Flames in that game. I mean, I think it's awesome, to be honest with you. I mean, the idea of having the the small towns like this or the smaller towns uh, get to see an NHL game, even if it's an exhibition game, uh, it's a big deal. The contest has been going on now in the U.S. This is the sixth year that they've had the contest. And we'll wait and save some of the particulars for sure. uh, when we have our guest on. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and we're going to have explain how I, things get started. Is Tyler DeLoach. I think I'm correct now. She's the media relations. DeLoach. I, I, would say it a little, I would say it a little quicker, but that's, yeah. you know, that's me. <laughs> You're a New Yorker. You say everything quick. <laughs> yeah, well. Okay. So in just a few minutes, we're going to bring Tyler on and, and tell bit about what's going on in hockey and uh, El Paso, but for those of you that may be tuning in to us for the first time, uh, our goal here at Ice Time Hockey Southwest is to grow the game of hockey uh, in the desert southwest is where we started, but now our announcement tonight, Paul, and I want to bring this up right now so it can be digested for the whole hour, um, All right, we are, we are expanding, right? We're not going to just cover the desert southwest, we're going to cover the southwest, so uh, starting this, did you, did you invent cloning? Because that'll help. <laughs> yeah. Well, starting starting this season, this hockey season, whenever it starts, our NCAA podcast, College Hockey Southwest Weekly, will broadcast um, not only ASU, but we'll bring in guests from our new home in uh, Denver. Colorado College, Air Force, along with the Arizona State Sun Devils. And we're just going to bring in more NCAA hockey, and we're going to hope that the more we talk about it, Paul, and the more we bring it around, maybe we're going to incite some places to uh, consider bringing NCAA hockey on board somewhere else in the Southwest. So that's the big announcement for tonight. Our guest well, is also listen, a big let's, announcement. Let's, 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 let's just also say that um, – our, our home base is still the Valley of the Sun. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's that's not changing. Um, and we've really, while we focus, especially in the season, much more on, on, on ASU, we have definitely, uh, like I said, 2020 is not normal, so we've had to adapt and change with the times. Um, will ASU still be our number one focus? Absolutely. Well, it will be with me. I, I mean, it will be with me. You know, I mean, I, it doesn't matter how many teams we no. cover, but it'll no, still it'll, be my and, number one. Okay, and let me throw this out there. When I say the word cover, I don't mean on a daily basis because we don't cover on a daily basis. We cover on right. a weekly, on a feature-type basis. That's the basis right. of our entire uh, existence. So uh, this just gives us an opportunity, and who knows, maybe down the road, uh, ASU and Denver will be playing twice a year. Colorado Maybe. College and ASU may be playing twice a year. And I think because of the proximity, they will always be a uh, non-conference uh, foe of the uh, the Air Force team because that's, you know, it makes sense, yeah, right? Listen, it makes sense. I mean, somewhat close. Sure. So, so, I mean, that's kind of the direction that we're heading in it. I thought, you know, I, I've made a trip this summer twice uh, to visit Denver and Colorado College. And, yes, it's a trek uh, if you're in a car. But – um, the one thing that's nice about it is once you get to Denver or Colorado College, you can actually cover Denver, uh, Colorado College, Air Force, uh, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Colorado Eagles uh, all within about 90 minutes of each other. So it's, right. it's, it's not like it's a major uh, stretch that, that it would be to, uh, to go somewhere. The problem is getting from Phoenix to Denver. Uh, especially in the wintertime. So there will be some challenges, there's no doubt, but that's why we have the podcast, and that's why we can dial people up and, and visit with them and talk hockey. But I think it's it's paramount to grow the game to uh, so bring no in cloning. a little bit more area. No cloning, no cloning. Nobody no cloning. wants a second one of me. There's no doubt about that. Well, I didn't say you, but... <laughs> Who did you want to clone then? <laughs> well, listen. Zach? Well, listen. Well, He's got a GM I, role. He can't do it. Tr- isn't that the obvious choice? <laughs> he can't do it. He's got a GM job now. So, uh, and well, by the way, matter. Folks, it's still the obvious choice, right? Folks, if you didn't last uh, to the Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, get back and listen to it on the download because Zach was fantastic. He put together a whole 
structure on what he would do to revive and rebuild the Arizona Coyotes. So get out there, listen to it. He's uh, got some great ideas. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. We're going to do the uh, Vegas Golden Knights um, re two. And really, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Things. Okay, but like I said, college hockey self. Uh, college uh, hockey south was weekly. We've got uh, all kinds of stuff happening. We know that the boys are skating at Arizona State. We know that they're doing the same, I think, all over the country right now. If you just look on Twitter a little bit, you'll find out that everybody's out there doing some sort of uh, college skating. So uh, with college football kicking off uh, this last weekend and uh, the NFL kicking off, I mean, I just think it's inevitable that, that college hockey is going to start fairly soon. And when I say that within the next 60 to 90 days, I think there's going to be some announcement that that starts pushing forward. That's just me folks. Um, but like I said, the, uh, the nice part about it is, is that um, we're looking at, you know, something going forward. And that, that's what we're all asking for, right? We want to see a schedule. We want to see something to keep our interests and our, our thoughts and things peaked towards what's going to be happening. Yeah, maybe next week we'll we'll take a few minutes and just kind of uh, review the uh, Sun Devil roster. And uh, and, and, and just, right now the Sun Devils are doing a great job of putting out their new numbers and a little bit about each player. So there's there's good stuff happening out there. So uh, and we'll they actually do tie in, they actually do tie into a little bit of tonight's tonight's show and tonight's guest. So. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so here we go. Let's take a quick break, and let's come right back with our special guest in about two minutes. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. You find your pot with M-Drive. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a free game feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, we're back. College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. My co-host, uh, Paul Hornstein, always from that beautiful palatial estate that we like to call it out on Long Island, New York. And Paul, it's uh, it's our pleasure tonight to introduce our, our special guest from a little bit east of where I'm at right now in El Paso, Texas, with the El Paso Rhinos. I'm going to give this a shot, Tyler. So I'm going to say Tyler Deloach, if that's correct. Paul wants me to say it faster, but I think it's Tyler Deloach. Am I close? You were perfect. Tyler Deloach, you got it. <laughs> All right, Tyler, you got Scott and Paul with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. A lot of exciting things happening in El Paso. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Um, you do media relations. You do public relations. You do a little bit of everything, I'm told, with the Rhinos. So 
Why don't you tell us a little bit about what your job title is and what you do in El Paso? Sure thing. So I am the director of operations here. And um, as you can imagine, it's a small staff. So I do a lot. So marketing, PR, and then a lot of graphic design. Um, I, of course, run social media, the website. So all of that in El Paso is community engagement. So I oversee that as well. So those are kind of the big parts of my my title, um, and I enjoy it. Lots to do, keeps me busy. Okay, so so tell us, uh, we know what you do, but tell us about the El Paso Rhinos, and then Paul's going to jump in because I know he's loaded with questions for you, but tell <laughs> us about the El Paso Rhinos and how long they've been around. And, you know, I've done a little background on it, so I know a little bit, but you tell us from your side of it, who are the El Paso Rhinos and, and what are they doing and where are they headed? Sure thing. So, Actually, preceding the Rhinos, we had the El Paso Hockey Association, and that started in uh, 2001. And even before that, we had the El Paso Buzzards, which was a professional team here. And so when the Buzzards went defunct, Corey Herman, who was a former Buzzard, he stayed here and started the El Paso Hockey Association. Then in 2006, Corey decided to start a junior team, and there was the birth of the Rhinos. So since 2006, um, we've got a lot of seasons under our belt. Uh, up until this year, we were in the Western States Hockey League. And then this year, we announced that we will be going NA for the 2021, sorry, NA, NA3 for the 2021 season. And then starting next season, we're actually going to have two teams. So one in the NA and then one in the NA3. Okay, wow. so that is a lot of, of, of hockey, especially for a place where uh, – you know, people still look at, at, at ASU and, and, and Phoenix and say they play hockey there. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sure you get that all the time, too, right? Absolutely. And I've always said that the goal of my job is to eradicate the, eradicate the question, is there hockey in El Paso? If I can get rid of that question, then I've done my job well. <laughs> now, the, 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 the thing about that is, is, and we'll get to this because it all ties in, uh, a lot of our listeners have heard the term uh, barn in terms of equating to a <laughs> hockey arena. Uh, I hear a little giggle in the background. I, I, like, <laughs> or is that my imagination? Uh, but the Rhinos legitimately play in a barn, don't they? We do. So um, originally the property was built as an equestrian center. So we eventually transformed it into an ice rink. So admittedly, it needed some repairs, which is why craft hockey <laughs> bill has been so huge for us. So we still actually have the cattle warmers in the building. It's a tin <laughs> roof. Um, the roof has openings, which make it really, really difficult in this El Paso heat to keep um, the ice cold and to keep the cold air in and the warm air out. So yes, we do play in a barn. Even if you come to um, the property, you can see the stock areas across the property. It's actually kind of funny. So yes, we do play in a barn, uh, but it's home and we love it. Uh, I, I Listen, uh, I, I have made a couple of trips to El Paso when I was living in uh, Alamo, which is about an hour and a half away uh, from El Paso. Um, and there was no, no team when I was there. So it's not like I had a chance to, but in watching some of the videos, I, I can't, I, I would love to see a game in a place like that. Um, which leads into uh, the hockeyville situation. How did that get started? Yeah. So that's a great question. The funny thing is, is we had been nominated for craft hockeyville in the past and we never really did much with it. And then in September, we hosted the Mexican national team and they played our players. Well, when we did that, we were actually visited by NBC Sports and NHL.com. And so they came in and they saw the rink and they saw our fans and the atmosphere and they kept telling us, you guys need to do craft hockeyville and i think at first we were kind of excited but then we were thinking well, we don't really have a shot at this you know we're a non-traditional <laughs> hockey market this is never going to work and we listened and we took their <laughs> advice and we did it and then in the first round in march we were so overwhelmed by the support we got from the community from rhino fans across the country and even the world it was incredible and so we did so well that we thought well we really might have a shot at this so then obviously things got uh, things paused a little bit for COVID. And then right. we found out that we made the final four. And when we found out 
um, August 16th, we just basically went full force ahead and we did everything we could. We were thinking and planning and we got so many people involved and we got so much support and we were able to pull it off. You know, it's incredible. And we, we wouldn't have been able to do it without our city, without our fans everywhere. It was a complete um, community involvement project. It, we couldn't have done it without them. They're El Paso and our fans everywhere are why we won. Um, just so the, the people listening know, uh, the previous winners of this contest were Johnston, Pennsylvania, and Bell Vernon, Pennsylvania, Marquette, Michigan, and Calumet, Michigan, and Clinton, New York. So when they say that uh, El Paso was the first city not in the Eastern time zone, uh, yeah, uh, heck, they're the, 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 the first team, I mean, when when New York is considered South compared to those other cities, you know that. So um, when this all went down, and, and a little bit, because you brought it up as well about the ice, and I saw a little bit of video clips on that too, um, what was, there were some things, there would be some things that would be obvious if you were there that, that, that would come to the forefront. What were some of the things that maybe weren't that even caught you guys by surprise by what happened? Do you mean the support? Yes. Yeah. So we were, I don't even have the words to put, to describe how overwhelmed we were. So within a span of 14 days, we posted almost 50 videos of community support. So we had Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, military. We had um, Cinta de Oro, who is a former WWE wrestler. We had Jennifer Hahn, who's a world boxing champion. We had congressmen and women. We had our mayor. We had so many people involved. We had the Chihuahuas, which is um, our minor league baseball team. We had our, our soccer team, our professional soccer team. They sent um, videos of support. They kept posting and helping us. I mean, it's just, it was indescribable how many people were telling us that they voted thousands of times or hundreds of times and how many people reached out to their families and their friends and said, hey, we need you to vote. And again, there's no, there are no words to describe it. And I think, you know, we're very passionate about um, what we do in the community. We have Skatemates, which is a mentorship program where our players go out into the community. We have St. Baldrick's where our players shave their heads for childhood cancer research every year. And to those, to us, those are niche things. You know, we think of them as something that only happened in the hockey world. Um, but I think this kind of proved to us that we've expanded the hockey world and that we brought in so many more people to the sport. And it's just been fantastic to see. And we're so incredibly grateful. And, and we've talked about this before, Scott, when we had uh, Jess Myers on uh, from the rink live a few weeks ago um, of the four cities that made the finals. Uh, two of those are in places that you would expect in <laughs> East Grand Forks, Minnesota and River Falls, Wisconsin. Uh, I was not aware that uh, one of the, the, the one of the other runner-ups was uh, Wichita, Kansas, but the Wichita uh, Wichita's had had minor league hockey there for a long time too. So uh, the, the folks in El Paso and that community did a tremendous, tremendous job uh, to win this contest, and and I don't think um, you know this is this is a big deal. Now I, I do want to ask uh, what the NHL and Kraft has said about. Uh, making uh, or getting you guys the exhibition game that usually comes along with that, uh, I would assume that they promised you guys a game in the future. So at the moment, we have not been told that we're not going to have one, which is great. News. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we actually are meeting with them at the end of September, and we're hoping to find out more information then. But we are under the impression that we're still going to have an exhibition game. We're excited. We're planning for it. And when the time comes, whether that's this year, next year, whatever the case is, we're excited to have any uh, two NHL teams who would make the trek to the Sun City. Okay, so, so Tyler, let me ask you this. Um, it's a nice um, thing to win, but really what comes with it is the ability for you to do some things to your arena, correct, with the, uh, yeah. the funding that comes along with it. So what do the Rhinos want to do with uh, the money they receive from Kraft? 
So we've actually already started construction on our rink. So we started the roof and today they actually, yesterday they put the anchors down and today they actually started sealing it. So again, I mentioned that we have really bad openings in the roof at the moment and you can literally see daylight at any point um, when you're inside the rink. So the first step is to make sure that the rink is better insulated. There are also spots along the walls that need to be insulated as well. So that's that's the main goal and that's what the bulk of the money will go toward. Once we get that rink um, insulated better, we can actually potentially keep ice in year round. At the moment, we are only open from September to June, June 1st. So it's really unfortunate for our youth hockey players because our youth hockey players have to leave during the summer to go find ice. So they're you know heading to Phoenix where you guys are or they're going to Albuquerque or they're going to Odessa. Odessa, and those are four to six hour trips. So we're really hoping that when we insulate this rink better, that we can make sure that our youth hockey players have that competitive advantage that other kids across the country have. So making sure that we get insulated um, is the is the main priority. And again, we're hoping that those that's really beneficial uh, for programs to come. Yeah, that's definitely where you start, right? I mean, you have to uh, get the building, get it ready. I know, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, where Arizona State plays, but at Oceanside Ice Arena here, it's a very small, quote-unquote, barn. It didn't actually have uh, livestock in it at any point that I'm aware of. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's a smaller, um, you know, we took a lot of flack this last season from, from Denver when they called it a community rink and some of the other big universities, if you will, hockey universities. Um but you got to start somewhere, right? And as you move your way up, you talked about the fan support. Uh, I want you to tell us where the Rhinos came from. How did that nickname come about? So that's actually a funny story. Um, before the Rhinos actually became the team, they were originally called the Fire Ants because it was a very El Paso, West Texas, uh, Sun City name. <laughs> and somehow, I guess the Fire Ants went to a tournament and didn't do so well. So they kind of went on this rebranding <laughs> mission. And at some point, I believe a, a child drew a rhino on a napkin while they were at lunch with Corey Herman. And he liked the logo. He liked the name and it stuck. And here we are. Don't tell Paul this, but if he continues on his road, we're going to have to rebrand him too into something. <laughs> oh, well, listen, I, I mean, you know, uh, I, 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 I've been called a lot of things in my day. So there's always been rebranding with me. Some of them are even nice. So ne never the uh, fire ants, though, I bet. Never the fire ants. No, no, no. Not, uh, but we could try. I mean, I've never been confused. I've been confused many more times for a rhino than a fire ant. I promise you that. <laughs> um, so, first of all, people need to think about the fact that uh, the, the ownership thinks that the town will support two teams. I think that, to me, that is the most impressive thing about everything that I've seen in doing some research over the last, you know, the, the last week and trying to get ready to, to talk to you and not sound like a complete idiot. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're not going to just move up to the – NA3HL, but they're going to have that and an NAHL team. And, you know, by the way, folks, if you look at the Sun Devil roster, you see a bunch of players that played in that league, including uh, the brother of last week's interview, uh, Connor Stewart, who played in Odessa. We actually talked to him about that when we had him on, too. So to me, that is the most impressive thing about everything that I've researched so far. And I, we we're, and 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 that kind of you know shows me and and should show people keep your mind open about what you think a quote unquote hockey market is. You're absolutely right. And tradition has shown that El Paso has always been very welcoming of hockey. Even when the Buzzards were here in the late 90s and early 2000s, they had fantastic support. So it's something that's always been here. And the other thing that's really important about 
having an NA and an NA3 team is that we can build a pipeline for our players. So obviously not a lot of hockey around us. So it's important that we give our players, especially our younger players, the opportunity to play up through the pipeline. So they can start skating at the age of two or three, and then they can literally play all the way up through their ranks and play, um, play high school hockey here and then play junior hockey here. So that's a that's a huge part of the goal. And that was a lot of the reasoning behind the decision to keep two teams. Okay. Now, at one point, and I don't know if this is still true, and you'll probably be able to confirm it. Uh, at one point, the Texas high school hockey tournament was the biggest in the country, was it not? So to be entirely honest with you, I'm not sure because we... It's okay if you're not. I'm not either. That's why I asked. Well, the crazy thing is, is we don't play play a lot of Texas teams in the high school league. So we actually play in New Mexico... Um, and so that's our league. So I, I mean, I could probably name more te- New Mexico high school teams than I could, than I could Texas high school teams just because of our location. You know, it makes a lot more sense for us to play in New Mexico, in Colorado, and even in Arizona than it does to play in Texas. Since well, Texas is so big. I, I do actually kind of have an idea what you're saying because I did spend a year in Alamo, so I kind of have an idea of the geography of the area. So I do understand that. Um, the, the, the other thing that I wanted to ask about, uh, besides that is, so how many, how many teams do, uh, the, 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 does the, the high school league or whatever, uh, what other cities are in that league just for our information, as long as I brought it up. So I want to say it's Alamo, Durango, Taos, and I want to say there's one or two more. So those are typically the teams that our high school um, our high school teams play. Also, sometimes Odessa and Amarillo, because again, okay. they're pretty west as well. So they come with us. So we typically tend to host and we'll switch off. So those are typically the teams. And even when our youth hockey teams play, those are generally the teams that we play as well. Do they have an ice rink in Alamo now? They didn't when I lived there. This was uh, back in the early 90s, though. So I believe they do. Wow. Okay. Wow. That, that's awesome. Maybe oh, low, not low Well, up in the lab. Okay. All right. Well, I, I get that too. Well, it's the same thing. It's a, it's not that far away. It's just on one edge. It's on the, it's not that far away. It's, it's from, if you're in Alamo, it's what, about an hour. So that's not too bad. Well, for us, I think we're nor- we're used to traveling four to six hours. So those are right. typically the shortest uh, trips that we make. So an hour is not bad for us. We wish we could travel an hour. And play. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, Sun Devils know that. So, yeah. um, uh, the other question that's more rink related, and maybe you can explain it because I didn't quite understand uh, when I watched one of the videos. Uh, you guys have come up, or at least the owner's father came up with kind of a way to help (laughs) just keep the ice more stable. Can you explain that a little bit? Because, I mean, obviously there's a Zamboni, but you guys do something else that I haven't seen done anywhere else. So it's when we're putting in the ice. So basically we have a dirt floor. So under, uh, we have dirt. And then of course we have the mesh. So we don't actually paint our ice, it's just mesh. So what happens is, is we sprinkle water on the mesh and the dirt, and then we let that freeze and we we do that consistently. So what Mr. Herman has done is he created a stick and a hockey and a hose, sorry, on a hockey stick. And what happens is, is the water comes out very, very, in very thin layers, and it helps lay the layers evenly and more smoothly than if you were to try to lay it any other way. And so after that first level freezes, then Mr. Herman and our entire team goes out and they lay layers of water consistently. Once they freeze, they do it again, and they'll do that until it builds up enough for the Zamboni to go out. Okay. Yeah, I, I just I, I saw the, the video clip. You see, you only see uh, somebody's hand and and, and the water <laughs> yeah. coming out of. Uh, so I, I I didn't quite understand what was going on, and I and I'm like, well, what are they doing? I don't, you know. Uh, but now at least I, I I have an understanding of it, so that definitely helps. 
it's part of so, the ice making process. <laughs> <laughs> so Tyler, yeah, when we yeah. talk ice making process, I grew up in Northern Minnesota and uh, I spent some time uh, at rinks in Canada, obviously being that close to the border. And there were a lot of them up there that had natural ice strictly because it was so cold up there. They would just open the doors. I mean, I, I haven't played in an actual barn, but I, I coached in something very close to it. And they had, like, natural ice, which is kind of cool. And you guys are a little bit different, but yet similar because you have the heat problem and you're, you're playing on the dirt base and, and the mesh, like you say, which is really kind of cool. But um, it, how do you guys do it? It's all support, right? I mean, it's, it's people that get out there and support and help you guys do it. No, absolutely. And it's funny that you say that because my family lived in Alaska before I was born. So my mom talks consistently about how her dad would go out there and make ice and they'd have a little ice rink or pond to skate on. And down here, obviously, that's not something that we have. So basically, um, the Hermans are from are from Saskatchewan and then our GM is from Alberta. So when they came down here, they obviously had some knowledge that maybe other El Pasoans wouldn't about making ice. So the Herman family and Corey Heon basically have come down here and they've applied everything they know. So with their knowledge and with their hard work, and I can say that the Herman ethic is just bar none. You know, the work ethic that that Herman family has is incredible. And so they basically continue to work on this and they've, they've improved it and perfected it for El Paso. Again, it's very different how we do things here and it might not work in other places, but given the heat, um, and given the state of the building, and um, especially at the time that we, we hope to make ice, so it's usually in September, and in September, it's still very warm in El Paso. So th those are things that they've been working on throughout the years. So yes, it's been community support, but it's also been the Hermans and their knowledge and their hard work that's made everything possible here. Okay, so if I can jump in one more time, Paul. Um, I want to ask you about the season right now. I mean, we all talk about... 2020 being just a, a year we'd like to forget right now but for you guys it's kind of bittersweet right because you win this uh this grant um you get all this recognition um you're building things you have a goal to move up and have two teams now and all of these good things happening but when do you guys anticipate finally being able to get your guys on the ice and, and participating and maybe playing some games yeah, so that's a great question. So we're, I think we're moving a little bit slower um, than we hoped. So I'm thinking that hopefully here within the next few weeks, we'll have guys start coming in and then they'll be doing dry lands for a while. We're hoping to have the ice back up within about a month or two. So again, the ice is, um, it's been an interesting take and with the construction, we're also kind of making sure that the ice will be well kept and that when we do make it, that the process is smoother than it has been in the past. So that's kind of a, a not so direct answer because I think we're kind of feeling out everything as well. Um, the, like you said, the win has been great, but there's also a lot of other factors and when we can open. Um, and of course, COVID is a factor as well. So with players coming in, we don't have very many players from El Paso or even from Texas. So we're making sure that, you know, those kids can travel in safely and that when they get here, they're well taken care of. Well, if you do check the website, Scott, you will see that, uh, they actually, in July, signed a, a, a Phoenix native to play. Uh, ah, to play with I the saw Bobcats. that. You did see that. Okay, I'm just, just, yes, just asking. Just no. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just, you know, I just wanted to, because to, 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 I don't know what you what you read and what you don't read, Scott. So <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that we got that in there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, to, you so, know. And by the way, just for people who also understand, um, the the tough even to make things worse for the guys in El Paso, forty three wins, Tyler, <laughs> and three losses. You know that's that's insane. I don't care what level you're playing at. It was it was that was a really good season. Um, that was a really really good season. You know, and even even this past year, it was a bit disappointing because we had a great season as well, a great regular season to say, and you know we didn't get to finish it, but. I'm a big believer in personally that everything happens for a reason. And uh, I think that's just kind of the way things shook out. And, you know, I think there are a lot of different steps that landed us to where we are now. So, you know, we're incredibly grateful for what we 
for what we have now, even though last season kind of ended abruptly and it definitely didn't weigh in the way we wanted it to, given the chance that we really might have been able to win it all. But again, everything happens for a reason. You got to stay positive. And at some point, you just got to look ahead and see what you can do and how you can prepare for the next season. Tyler, okay, so know, one more question ahead, for me, Paul, real quick. No, no problem. Uh, no problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, uh, Tyler, when you look ahead, I mean, you've kind of given us your, your midterm goals as far as the two teams coming up and, and the growth. Um, Dream big for us. Tell us a little bit about what you'd like to see if, if you had control of things. How big would you like to see hockey get in El Paso? Huge. <laughs> so, and honestly, I think it's it's not even necessarily past the junior level, but I personally would really like to see it grow at the youth level. So right now we have 500 kids in our program, which is fantastic, right? But given the size yeah. of our city, which is 700,000 people, we've got a lot of work to do. So we also want to make sure that everybody has access to hockey. So that's something that we've been working on is providing low cost programs for people who may not be able to afford it. So again, it's making sure that everybody has access to hockey, no matter the age, no matter the income. And if we can do that and we can grow our program, you know, maybe we can start talking about semi-pro. But right now, I think our biggest goal is to make sure that our grassroots programs are doing really well. And once we know that that's the case then we can dream big (laughs) okay so my quick follow-up to that is um here in in the phoenix area the coyote has done a tremendous job of growing uh the women's game the girls game right there's over 150 registrants in our girls phoenix kachinas program um and then a gentleman came in that was a former um amateur hockey player or professional hockey player in the minor leagues for the most of it and he bought a building in a suburb of Phoenix in Mesa. Um, and when you look at the building, you go like, well, it was a paintball arena or a bowling alley or something. And he's turned that now into a facility for the women, uh, the girls program to grow in. And it, it's kind of similar to what you guys are doing as far as the, the um, unorthodox way of building an arena. It's not like, you know, you go to Vegas and you see these beautiful buildings that they're building up there. This one, he's completely gutted this warehouse, basically, turned it into a hockey rink. It's going to open in about a month or so. We're going to do a feature on it. But um, I think that's fantastic. But are you seeing some some girls jumping in now and playing hockey, too, in El Paso? Absolutely. And so last year, at the start of the year, we started a Lady Rhinos program. And so it now is from all the way from the age of four, five, six, again, so when they learn how to skate all the way up through high school. So, and our girls, I have to say, they are incredible players. I have so much respect for them. I'm not a person who's ever played hockey and I watch them and they impress me every day. They're smart, they're talented, um, they're incredible. And the girls program is growing and that's fantastic for us. And these girls are out there competing against um, sometimes boys who are older than them and they're traveling, they're doing everything that they need to do. And off the ice, I can speak for every single one of them. They're excelling in the classroom. They're fantastic, phenomenal young women. So we're excited to see that program grow and uh, we're excited to see where it goes from here. Uh, that leads me into the, the, the kind of uh, a related question. Uh, I didn't really, I mean, I played on roller skates as a kid and I never, I could, I, if I was on ice skates, it would be a Keystone Cops routine, so I date myself. <laughs> but um, and and when I when I actually did coach, I was able to go on the ice in my sneakers, and we were. But you know that they can't they don't do that anymore. Um, how did you get into the game? Is this just something that happened naturally, or you got more and more into the game as as you got involved with the Rhinos? Uh, and you know, El pa- I I don't want to assume that people that are hockey fans in El Paso all root for the Dallas Stars because I do kind of understand the uh, <laughs> the anti-Dallasness in a lot of the rest of the state. So who do, how did you get into the game? And, and, and in your neck of the woods there in El Paso, who seems to be the uh, – who gets most favored nation status, so to speak? So I actually got started because my mom worked for the Buzzards when I was a kid. So again, the buzzards were here in the in the 90s and the 2000s, and I was basically a rink rat. I was running around four, five, six years old, uh, doing the normal things that normal rink rats do. And uh, eventually, when the buzzards went defunct, um, I kind of stepped away from hockey a little bit just to grow up. 
And uh, then I went to college and Georgetown, at Georgetown University in Washington, DC. And I told Corey Herman that I really wanted to work for his hockey team. And Corey had known, has known me since I was probably four or five. And I kept bugging him and I kept telling him, hey, you know, I'm really interested in working for you. And at first I think he thought I was joking and then I wouldn't leave him alone. <laughs> and so finally he said, okay, Tyler, you can work for me. And so um, my first few years at Georgetown, I was flying back and forth. So I'd go to school during the week, I'd fly home and work games during the weekend. And I did that for for two or three years and then oh my I, lord <laughs> yeah so then i graduated <laughs> um and i returned full time and i've it's been the best experience of my life uh you know being at georgetown and having the experience of being there and being at home basically being in two places at once and having a full collegiate experience while also working for a sports team was incredible. So that was a wonderful experience. Um, have nothing but wonderful things to say about the Rhinos during that period of my life and uh, Georgetown during that period of my life. And then uh, as for who El Paso hockey fans support, um, we do have a lot of Dallas Stars fans. Um, and this really? was before. Yeah, absolutely. This was before they made it to the to the finals too. Oh, no, no, I get that. We're not bandwagoners at all. No, we have a ton of um, Dallas Stars fans. And the other thing that's been incredible too is that they have a Dallas Stars Learn to Play program. And it's actually been constituted and instituted here um, at our rink. So it's really awesome to see the little kids running around and skating around with Dallas Stars jerseys on. And that, of course, has helped grow the game and that's helped support um, the Dallas Stars as well. So before that, you know, we had a lot of stars fans, but that that program has really helped. And again, it's it's a low cost program for people who can't afford it. They get a full set of gear, including skates, and then they get six weeks of instruction. So that has really helped with the Dallas Stars momentum down here. And even through Craft Hockeyville, um, as much as they could be, they were supportive. The learn to play people were were very, very helpful to us. So yeah, we're we're huge Dallas Stars supporters out here. See, I, I got to tell you that that kind of surprises me. Uh, I'm <laughs> Who not going to lie. Who do you think that's going to be? I, I, I honestly, <laughs> I don't know. Um, just my experience with with the people that I've met over the over my lifetime with Texas is either you're pro Dallas or you'll root for anybody but Dallas. <laughs> but Dallas. <laughs> so I mean, I and and that's just in the state of Texas. I'm not even talking about outside the state of Texas. So well, I don't, I mean, I, I, when it comes to football, that I think that is certainly the case. <laughs> um, like people love to hate the Dallas Cowboys, but around here we have a ton of Dallas Cowboys fans. I myself am one of them. So you know, we will not it, comment it on this, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and like I said, they've been so supportive of us that I think it has turned a lot of people into Dallas Stars fans. But of course, you have some outliers who are Coyotes fans. We actually have quite a few. We have a season ticket holder that she's mad about the coyotes she heads up to phoenix every now and again to watch games so you know and then you have pens fans and caps fans and i'm a huge pens and caps fan so you know i like hockey and i think a lot of people around here too people who are hockey fans i think they just enjoy good games sometimes so it doesn't necessarily matter who's playing when you're out here you respect every hockey team that you can because you don't you can't get enough uh, well, listen, I mean, I do understand that when I when I lived in, in Arizona during my college days, uh, it was kind of the same way. Uh, but I'm just trying to figure I'm just writing down all these names, by the way, as a Giants fan and an Islanders fan. Let's see if we can find more teams that Tyler roots for that. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm, I'm a bit different as well because, like I said, I'm tied for the – because the Dallas Stars have been so good to us. And then I lived in Washington, D.C., right. so i got to support the Cavs. And then before that, I've been a Pence fan since I could remember. So, the yes, only thing missing is the Flyers. I am not a Flyers fan. I can tell you that much. There, you, got, you got my goat on that one. And, you know, I may live to regret saying this one day. I may – you know, might be the worst thing I've ever seen. But that, that one's rough. I'm not going to lie. The Bruins are a little rough, too. But well, everybody I'll, else is tolerable. But those two, I don't know. Tyler, I'll tell you that that uh, if you let Paul say it, he'll tell you what he calls Philadelphia. But we, we probably don't want to have that out there either. But <laughs> it's not a swear word, but it's not nice. 
so okay, okay. I have so, one more question, Scott. Okay, and then get you, it in, then we'll wrap it up. You know, so. All right. Um, for people that don't know, and, and, and Tyler mentioned it before about the Mexican national team, uh, the Rhinos were the first junior team to play a national team from another country. What was that experience like? And 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 uh, what 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 brought that together? And um, were you surprised when it did come together the way it did? Yeah. So our general manager Corey Hian, he had been t- in talks with the Dalagarma family, and they are um, a big part of the the Mexican. Um, national program and basically they're the ones that run it and they had kind of been talking about how we could help um, bring hockey into the state of Chihuahua in Mexico and then how we could get some of their hockey players to come here and it was actually kind of a process because it started in the youth ranks and then eventually I think they just came up with this idea that it'd be fantastic if the national team could come play here and it happened rather quickly. Um, that part did. And basically, they came over here. Uh, they were coming from Mexico City, which is, you know, that's not terribly close. So then they came to the border and uh, they crossed and then they stayed here. They went back home. But we had um, we also had kids come from Chihuahua to that do the Dallas Stars Learn to Play program as well. And they did a Mexico edition. So it's been kind of in the works just so that we could partner with Mexico and make sure that people around here who are, you know, Mexican nationals or even people who live here and go to Juarez frequently or go to Chihuahua frequently, that they always are exposed to hockey. So that's kind of how it started. And it just kind of developed into this awesome thing. And we're really hoping to have them back. Um, Maybe not this calendar year (laughs) for obvious reasons, but hopefully next year, maybe at the end of our season, uh, at the 2021 season. So we're really hoping to have them back. And they were extremely supportive of us as well. During Craft Hockeyville, they sent videos of support. They were texting us, asking us how we were doing, if they could help us in any other way. So it's been fantastic, and we're so grateful for their partnership and their support. Well, I'll tell you, uh, what a great guest you've been. You've given us some great insight on it. As we do college hockey, obviously, some of those NHL players that you're producing are going to start migrating into college hockey, as we know. Um, Final question for me is, Dreams, we talked about that earlier. Uh, any chance that there would be a college hockey, an NCAA college hockey program down the road in El Paso, or is that just way out of the spectrum at this point? No, I don't think it's out of the spectrum. So we actually had a UTEP um, ACHA D2 team here for a little bit. As of right now, this year, it doesn't look like that team's going to pan out. But, you know, we had we did have a club team here. It was well supported as well. So, no, it, that's not out of the question, I don't think. Obviously, that takes a lot of coordination between the university and Title IX and all those fun things that you have to worry about. So, you know, it's obviously a complicated process, but do I think it's absolutely out of the question? No, I don't. Again, El Paso is super supportive of hockey, so I think any other chance for a team to come in, I think El Paso would be excited. Let's go, you Sun Bowl people. Get behind us now. Let's go. (laughs) Get the caravan going as they do. (laughs) Uh, Tyler Deloach, Deloach, thanks so much for joining us. We we appreciate your time and spending uh, a good part of the uh, the show with us tonight. Uh, best of luck in the building and the constructing and all the things. And let's hope that, that COVID-19 gives us a chance to play some real hockey coming up real soon. So thanks again for joining us. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you, if you haven't been to El Paso, it's time to get there and see hockey in the barn. Thank you guys so much for having me. Have a good evening. You too. Absolutely. That's uh, Tyler Deloach, uh, the uh, Mr. Miss Everything, I guess I can call yeah, her. Yeah, pretty from, much. Yeah, it's from pretty the much El Paso it, yeah. Rhinos, the director of operations, the PR, the social media, everything that happens uh, off the ice is uh, pretty much in her hands. So thanks yeah. for joining us, Tyler. We definitely appreciate that. Um, Paul, let's take another quick break and let's come right back and uh, wrap up this episode of College Hockey Southwest Weekly in about two minutes. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck. 
during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our Three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located in downtown Tempe at 740 South Mill Avenue, College Bar and Grill is the place for the best local craft beers, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. A short walk from Sun Devil Stadium or Desert Financial Arena, stop by for lunch or dinner, game day or any day, College Bar and Grill. All right, we're back. College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona this evening. Paul Hornstein from beautiful Long Island, New York. Um, Paul, we just got a few minutes left, but when we wrap things up, uh, you as excited as I am to go watch some hockey in a barn? Uh, yeah, well, sure. I Listen, I'm ready to go. <laughs> uh, if, if you, you know, if, I, I'm all for it. I'll, I'll wait for you to send me the plane ticket to El Paso. Okay, and, so, uh, so hold on no, a minute here. I mean, so, so Tyler told us that she went back and forth every week uh, from Georgetown to El Paso to do the job. So, you know, I think you can sneak out of uh, New York City or uh, Long Island for, for a weekend and come out and see some hockey in El Paso. Uh, a weekend, yeah. Every week. Uh, I, I, you know, <laughs> she did it when she was 20. I'm a little past 20. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Okay, so... So, folks, uh, hockey grows, right? It, it just gets in your blood. It doesn't matter if it's in El Paso, Texas, or Phoenix, Arizona, or Las Vegas, Nevada, or anywhere that you look. Um, it gets in your blood, and, and once it's there, it's really hard to shake. Um, the Craft Hockeyville program uh, is really fantastic in what it does. It's helping this community in El Paso uh, refurbish their rink, uh, give it more user-friendly, if you will. Um, it sounds like, and I've seen the videos like you had, Paul, that uh, they do a really good job anyway, but but a little enhancement can never hurt, right? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, it's, it's you know, if, if whatever helps them get ICE to be in there 12 months a year instead of 10, uh, we're all for it uh, and, 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 grow, and grow the game even more, which is – you know, kind of what we like to say around here and what we hope that we help do uh, besides all of the other things that we try to do. Uh, and I don't expect any of us to be like Dean Blaze, Tony Granato, Jenny Potter, and Jerry York and get into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame this past week. But uh, <laughs> What a great group, though, I'm telling you. What a, oh, is yeah, it a more, mean, more worthwhile group of people to go into uh, the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame than those four. And all four directly related to college hockey. Yes. Um, and, you know, as you, as you said during uh, talking to Tyler, 
who knows, maybe one day, or I'm sure at some point, uh, when we look at the ASU roster, they'll be in El Paso Rhino ah, on, yes. that, on that squad. And and that's really the true test of, of you know, I mean, that's, that's the realistic uh, goal that I'm sure they have is to get players there that they can feed into NCAA Division One hockey. Uh, you know, you look at uh, at the league that they were in, the Western States League. Uh, they they have a lot of players that that go to NCAA Division Three, and and obviously a lot of club teams a- across the country, uh, including uh, a couple of ASU players that played before they went D one. Uh, so. Um, I'm sure that, you know, that's the measuring stick they will use for success in the future. And, you know, it's, it's a, it is a realistic one. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, that's what we are all about is, is growing the game. That's first and foremost, our mission statement. Uh, we do other stuff, obviously we love doing what we do now on the podcast. We love doing the feature stories, things like that. And, and, and just, seeing the whole thing explode. And, and Paul, I've told you this hundreds of times for in, in the last five years, since, since we started this company, um, man, oh man, the changes that have occurred, uh, will just blow your mind. And, uh, let's just hope that they continue to go on that same path and, and things continue to go. So we'll say good night. Uh, Paul, we'll, you have told me that? <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll say good night and, uh, and let you know that tomorrow night club hockey Southwest weekly is, uh, on as always, seven thirty Pacific. Uh, Stephen Marsh and myself will be hosting, and we have a brand new presenting partner in Maryville University, out of Chesterfield, Missouri, just outside of St. Louis, coming on as our presenting partner. Folks, they see the value of uh, uh, teaming up with us and, and getting some exposure for their program. A two-year deal to be our presenting partner for Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Congratulations to John Hogan and the Hogan family and everybody at Maryville University for, for stepping up and joining us, joining forces with us to become our presenting partner. Um, Paul and I will be back on by, Sunday night. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, And, and ahead. by the way, we I think we mentioned it on uh, one of the Sunday uh, playoff podcasts you know, each of the four teams that were in the final four in the NH- in the NHL, each of them had a St. Louis native on that team. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> hockey in St. Louis is, is is growing by leaps and bounds, and uh, you know, and keep keep your eyes open, folks, yeah. because uh, I know Never there's know. a national tournament coming there in a year, but maybe this year with the crazy COVID stuff, there might be something happening at least where one of the national tournaments in ACHA hockey could end up in the St. Louis area. So keep tuned in to, to check on that. Paul, take it away, and uh, we'll say goodnight with Roger Klein and the Peacemakers and De Niro. College Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Bell Ford, voted the best Ford dealer in Arizona. The Arizona Ford Giant is the presenting partner of the Sunday special. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood and tell him Ice Time Hockey SW sent you to see the top-selling line of Ford trucks and more. By cold beers and cheeseburgers, our dining rooms in accordance with CDC guidelines are open in all 12 Valley locations and in California. Visit coldbeers.com for more information. By T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network. See Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Shea and Tatum and let him show you how the power of the new T-Mobile can work for you. Uh, To be the best, you have to be the best. And you can bring the best of Las Vegas home now by stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard and pick up a bottle of three or three uh, of our championship barbecue sauce. Buy Summer Skates. Your team can design its own logo and show it off with pride in our koozies and sour shoes. Team discounts available. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner for more details. Behind the Mask, for all your hockey needs, visit any of our three locations or go to BehindTheMask.com. By College Bar and Grill in Tempe, by ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, learn to play hockey sessions are back for kids and kids at heart. See OceansideArena.net for more details. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, score a Roger Klein hat trick. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and try each of our three styles of the best tasting tequila. By Oxy Powell, 
Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at oxypow.com. Buy M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com and try our new Relax Supplement, M-Drive, the presenting sponsor of What Drives You for Energy, Stamina, and Recovery. And by the Ice Den, Scottsdale, and Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also newly available on the TuneIn app, just ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcast. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done as usual, my, my uh, co-host. Um, we are going to jump back in with college hockey next week. This was a fun little break, I thought, Paul, because it ties into college hockey, but it also ties into something bigger, and that's the growth of the game uh, in the West, in the Southwest. So uh, as we expand, they're expanding. Who knows? There may be college hockey down the road in El Paso, Texas. Our thank you to uh, Tyler DeLoach for joining us with the uh, El Paso Rhinos tonight. Um, the Director of Operations, I'm going to leave it at that because that just encompasses everything that she does. Uh, yep. Big thank you for joining us, Paul. Thanks for stepping in as always. We'll be back next week with another episode of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. And, of course, Sunday night is our uh, Pandemic Playoff Podcast episode number six. We're winding down towards the end of the NHL season. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week with another great guest. That's See you next week. For now. All right. Thank <laughs> you.